So it is that season that we get to celebrate Jesus. Our kiddos are heading out right now, but I hope you, uh, I hope you are ready for what the Lord has for you during this December that we will celebrate uh, the coming and the birth of Christ. It's a great day. I was reading this morning in the book of Hebrews, and uh, thank you, sir. I've been in Hebrews for uh, several months now, just kind of plowing through it and doing it the right way and the wrong way, and I'm about to finish up Hebrews in chapter 10, because I started in chapter 11 and went all the way to the end and started all over again, and now I'm back at 10, and I'm just about to complete it, but the book of Hebrews in, uh, in chapter 10, about halfway through it, it gives us one of the most beautiful reminders in all of Scripture And without the coming and the birth of Christ that we are going to celebrate over the next three or four weeks, we would not have the privilege of doing what we can do today. Right smack in the middle of of Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us that then because of this new covenant that God has made with us, we may boldly approach the throne of grace because of the blood that was shed for us. He took care of us, our sins, our problems, so that we can boldly come into his presence. That's why you could sing like you could today. That's why you could be present in the presence of Holy Christ because of the present that was given to us over 2,000 years ago. It kind of takes your breath away if you stop and just think about it for a minute. So we start a brand new series today. And it's for me and it's for you. It wasn't really where I was planning on going, but it was where I could not stay away from. Uh, it's not a brand new title. It's not something new people, hadn't, people haven't already come up with with years and years. But, and it's super simple, but it's because it's where I want you to be by the time we complete this over the next four weeks. Don't miss Christmas. And I've got an odd, strange way of writing it out. But don't miss Christmas. If you capitalize those first letters, the name of Christ, it'll help you not miss what Christmas is all about if you realize it is all about Christ. Now, Christmas is a, it's a fun, fun time of the year. It's, um, it, 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 it gives us some things that sometimes we don't do the rest of the year, like gifts. Gifts are a lot of fun, like family. Family's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it gives us things like traveling, which a lot of times we don't do it at other times, but traveling can be a lot of fun. It gives us strange things like fat guys with white beards. And it gives us goofy people like elves. And even goofier people like elves on shelves. Man, I've seen some weird ones on that one this year. I'm just saying some of you are demented. (laughs) It gives us a time to have great food. It gives us a time to enjoy some of the most beautiful lights you will see. And I tell you what, it sure is nice to see lights after 4.15 in the afternoon when it gets dark here. The lights are even better. I love the lights. I love the, the trees. The trees are awesome. 
Matter of fact, they're so proud of some of them now, you can pay $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 for a tree now. They must be really nice. Uh, the excitement for the kids. I mean, do you remember being a kid and just waiting to walk in that room the next day? I mean, like, your parents say, do not go through this door. And all you want to do is just get a little, you just had to, you know, it was so exciting. But then there's the other side of Christmas. You know those parts that are crazy, stressful? Anybody know those parts? Crazy, stressful, Christmas time parts? Because they're completely different. I mean, you know, the gifts, right? Or, or family, stressful parts, or the traveling, the stressful parts. I mean, from, from now till after Christmas, I don't plan on going into Huntsville again because I may never get back, you know? I may have to be a search and rescue to get you back if you go in that way now. Um, stressful. Uh, Santa, <laughs> he's stressful. Uh, the elf, stressful. Food, stressful. The light, stressful. The tree, stressful. The kids, stressful. If you don't believe that, ask a teacher. Seriously, even there's their small group teachers here. Ask them between now and Christmas what it's like. And then, oh, I forgot one of them. The money. The money, you know that gift that keeps on giving or taking or whatever way you want to look at it, and then you get into, oh, I don't know, January, February, and it's the gift that keeps on giving over and over and over again. You're like, I thought I'd paid for all that. It's the stress of the whole thing. So what, what if our Christmas season, what if the time that we come to celebrate this is perfect in every single way, uh, but we miss it? But we miss what it's really about. What if, what if we go through all this trouble, all this time, all this ex expensive energy and, and money and effort, and we miss the real, real Christmas So how do we miss the Christ of Christmas? Well, the title today is, and I'm, I'm not trying to be goofy, and it may be all the medications that I've been on for so long now, but here's your sign. Because God gave us many. And the one that I want to discuss with you today, I believe, is one that can affect you for the rest of your life here on earth. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, I'm not reading a great big giant print Bible today, but I am reading from the Holman Christian Standard today because I wanted a word-for-word -word translation for what we're doing today because the, 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 the words of it are so vital. Every word matters so much. I want you to understand this. this way. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to stand with me. We're going to begin in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, uh, the end of verse 9. And moving on through verse 14. May God be, read, be honored as we read his word today. The last part of verse 9 says this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Verse 10. And then the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. From the depths of Sheol to the heights of heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test 
the Lord. And Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of God? Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Father, I believe you have given us some words today that are incredibly powerful. There's so much truth here, and there's so much life change that comes in trusting you just at the sound of your word. We know this is not just a story. This is a real-life thing that happened. Change our hearts. Show us your sign. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's a beautiful passage. It's a powerful passage. It's loaded with so much. That first part in verse 10, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. As for a sign from the Lord, it can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not, I will not, I will not test the Lord. And then Isaiah said, listen, the house of, listen, house of David. So all of you listen, okay? It is, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men or will you also try the patience of God? So first of all, who is Ahaz? Well, if you read it all and you follow his story at all, he is considered an evil king. He's considered an evil king because he did not trust the Lord. And in this passage, essentially, the Lord is begging him to, to, to just trust him. And he absolutely refuses to. He reigned over the kingdom of Judah. And the, the kingdoms were divided, kingdom of Judah, kingdom of Israel. He reigned from 735 to 715 B.C. Okay, so we're... We're a, a little over 700 years before the birth of Christ when this happens. Under his leadership, these are some of the things that took place because he did not trust the Lord. Idol worship, sacrilege like you could never imagine. Whatever he wanted, whatever felt right, whatever seemed right, whatever he thought might work, whatever uh, spell he thought he might throw over something or would allow that to happen, he would, he would go that direction. Ahaz went against the word of God, even though he was raised by godly parents. He went against God's word in every way possible, even to the point of closing the doors of the temple to honor other gods. It's messed up. We recognize it. He was such, and this is a different way of saying it, he was such an amazing king that his incredible decisions would eventually lead to the uh, fall of the kingdom of Judah in 586 B.C. It was a big deal. Now, the Lord told Ahaz to ask him for a sign. He didn't say, do you want a sign? He told him to ask for a sign. It was a command. The Lord said, you can be, this is so wild. Where do you see this in the word besides here? It was, it was so extreme. I, but when I first started reading, I'm like, really? That's the way he said this? And it did. He said, ask me for any sign, any sign. You, you pick it. You pick the sign. 
literally between heaven and hell. You pick the sign. I will show you who I am. Matter of fact, I will show you who God with us is. You just ask for the sign. And I will do it. Then the Lord was trying to do something that would bring him, the Father, glory. The Lord wanted Ahaz to trust him to protect Judah. Ahaz had his own ways of doing this. He made treaties with Israel. He made treaties with Assyria. We go back just a little bit to see where Ahaz came from. Matter of fact, he even served with his father, um, Jotham, who was a king also. But his father was a faithful man who did what the Lord asked. And then his poor decisions would end up costing a couple of Ahaz's sons their own lives. That were future kings. But then there was another, King Hezekiah, who was faithful to the Lord. He trusted the Lord. Matter of fact, the word tells us that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This was Ahaz's son. And Ahaz refused, saying, I will not test the Lord. Now, was this an actual test? And did Ahaz pass this test? Well, again, Ahaz was an evil king. And the Lord knew his lack of faith. But Ahaz does what a lot of us have a tendency to do. And he took a passage. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Does that sound familiar? We've been talking about it for weeks in here. He takes uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 out of context and says, I will not put the Lord your God to the test. Wait a minute. I think this went the other way. Because he took this completely out of context because God didn't. Wasn't, wasn't testing him to see if, if, if he knew the scripture. He wasn't testing him to see if he knew. He was seeing if he would trust him. And he told him to test him. The exception of not testing the Lord is when the Lord tells us to do something. That's not a test. That's a command. And that's what Ahaz was told to do. It's like Malachi talking about our faithfulness to him and our giving. Test the Lord and see that he is faithful. That's not a, a question if we want to. It's saying, do it, test me, I will show you my generosity. So according to Isaiah, Ahaz's refusal tested the patience of God. And the Lord really didn't want him, or really did want him to ask for a sign. The Lord wasn't requesting this, he was commanding this. And the Lord just wanted Ahaz to trust him can I just interject here for a second there's so many of us in this room that that is all the Lord wants from us he just wants us to trust him and I think about so many things around this room over the last couple of weeks people in this room have lost people that they have loved and God says, trust me. Some relationships in here are so hard. And God says, trust me. Healing sometimes comes a lot longer than we expected. And he says, trust me. Sometimes the job's not what we hope for. And he says, trust me. Sometimes the kids aren't doing what we want them to do and what we desired. And he says, trust me. So don't trust the Lord for your sake. 
Because that's selfish and that's full of pride and that's what Ahaz did. But if the Lord tells you to do something, test him the way he says test you. Test him. Ray Orland said this. I love the way he said Ahaz proves here that faith can be refused by the will. We can choose not to trust. No matter how strong the evidence is. If we don't want God, we can find a way to make our unbelief sound plausible and even pious. And that's exactly what Ahaz did. Sounded good. I will not, I'm not going to test you, Lord. The Lord didn't even have to reply because he had spoken. First thing on your outline, just a couple things today, but I think they're so important. Will I trust? And they're just questions. Will I trust the Lord when life gets challenging or will I depend on my own ways? Will I trust the Lord when life gets challenging or will I just keep depending on my own ways? And here's what the Lord did. He knew that this would happen. He knew how Ahaz was going to respond to this. And I want you to see how this helps and encourages us because the Lord said, okay, I'll do it my way. Here we go. And he gives us verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. I'll give the sign. I'll do the sign I want to give you. Here it is. See? The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. It leads us to a quick second question, but I think this is so important. Do you need a sign in order to trust the Lord? We shouldn't at this point. But he says, because I know your faith is weak or non-existent, I will give you one. So 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, God spoke through Isaiah and told us of this sign. A sign, a sign is God's way of telling us he's up to something bigger than we could ever imagine. A sign is essentially a miracle. Sign, it's a wonder. It's a, it's a miracle. It's something only God can do. A sign is something supernatural and usually looking far forward. Long ways into the future, a sign from, from God will point ultimately to God and ultimately will bring him glory because only he could do it. It's a God thing that brings glory to God himself. So it says the Lord will give you a sign. Uh, therefore, tells us something big is about to change. It's like an interjection. Therefore, stop, wait, something's changing here. Pay attention. But then he says this. He says, see. It, it, it sounds so simple. It sounds so light when he says, see this. But when you dig into the word, and even you look at other translations and all of these correct, I love the way the older translations say it. It says, behold. Wake up, stop, pay attention. Look. Look what I am showing you. Matter of fact, it, one translation says, watch out for this. Keep your eyes open because you're going to eventually see this. Look for this sign I will give you. And he says this, a virgin will conceive and become pregnant. Huh. Not happening every day. Did I mention that this was one of the toughest verses in Scripture to actually translate? I don't think I did, but it is. Because it also makes it one of the most controversial Scriptures uh, in the word. The struggle is with the Hebrew word Alma. 
It's the one that's translated here to virgin. It is also correct to translate this verse, young woman. Hmm. Okay. So what do we do with this? So this, we're going to explain it because I don't want you to leave here confused. I want you to understand what he's saying here. This sign, this prophecy is fulfilled twice. I call it a now and later. Because it's one that God uses to show the people of Judah something like right then. And then it's also something that he uses to show us the birth of Christ 700 years later. Let's dig into it a little bit deeper. First, for Ahaz and Judah, if you read on in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 8, Isaiah, apparently his first wife has passed. And his second wife, who is a young woman, uh, a prophetess, uh, after his first wife had died, uh, she has a child. And I want you to hear this. This is, this is part one of this, the reference to the child who actually has a, a much longer, harder to say name that means that there's a, there's a plunder coming, that, 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 it's, that it's all about to get torn up. Is what the kids name me. There's also a reference there, and you'll read it in verse 8 of chapter 8 that refers to Emmanuel. Because the giving of this child was a reminder that God was going to be with them. They didn't have to depend on these treaties they were doing. It wasn't a governmental thing that had to happen, that God was going to be the one that would protect Judah if they would trust the Lord. And eventually he would. What happens? Israel falls in 586. God still takes care of it, even with a faithless people. But it also clearly gives a future sign. And there is no question when you get to the Greek in the New Testament that the word is not young woman, but it is virgin, who is a woman who is still a virgin. Ray Stebman clarifies this the best way I've ever heard. I I left it in your outline and I'm putting it up on the screen because I love the way he says this. It is not wrong to translate a virgin as a young woman. The Hebrew allows for that. The word can mean a young married, uh, a young married as well as a young, young, young unmarried woman. But to be a sign, it would have to be a young unmarried woman who had never known a man. You see what he's saying? In order for it to be a sign, in order for it to be a a miracle, it had to be a young woman, unmarried, who had never known a man, a, a virgin, in other words. Young women have sons all the time. Proof on the stage a few minutes ago. But it would only be a sign if a woman who had never known a man conceived and bore a son. That is what the prophet said would happen. It was a sign to the whole house of David. Isn't that cool? In order to be a sign, it had to be a miracle. And we in this room having children, still a miracle, not a sign. It's a miracle because it's what God does inside the beauty of a woman. So why does this really matter? Well, because in the first century A.D., 
The only way a woman would get pregnant and have a child was to be with a man. It's the way God made it. The sign, the miracle, is that Mary became pregnant. Not by a man because she had never been with a man because she was a virgin. She became pregnant because the Holy Spirit overcame her. God did this within her body. And it says she'll have a son. Younger mothers and dads in this room, have y'all seen those interesting, amazing, almost a little bit scary 4D sonograms? What? Um, those had not been invented yet in the first century. Um, but yet, God said it was going to be a sign. Do you see that? It's a sign. Not only that she became pregnant, but also that she was having a sign. And the Lord knew this even before he let us in on the sign. Over 700 years before Jesus' birth. And she will name him Emmanuel. Which translates God is with us or God with us. Emmanuel is clearly a prediction which was fulfilled in the virgin birth of the Messiah. And how can we be so certain? How can we know this without a shadow of a doubt? Well, you know what the best commentary on the Word of God is? The Word of God. Matter of fact, it's beautiful. I love it when Jesus repeats himself from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And he does this in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 in this prediction this sign that we are given but then he speaks it again and it's spoken again in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 23 it says see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel which is translated God is with us if you go back in the same uh, translation uh, like for instance looking in the in the uh, Holman Christian Standard, as I'm looking today, you look at both of them, they're exactly the same. The one gives proof of the other, and it leaves absolutely no doubt that the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit intended in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, to be a prophetic sign of the birth of Jesus to a very young woman named Mary who had not been married, who had not been with a man, who was still a virgin and was a part of the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ involving the Holy Spirit of God, making Jesus fully God and fully man, perfect Savior, exactly what you and I needed. The last question for you and me today is, do you see the sign? Not just have you read it, but do you, do you see what's happened here? Do you see what Christ did? Because we're on the other side of all this. It wasn't something for us to look forward to that was going to happen a little later in Isaiah chapter 8. And it wasn't something that we had to look forward to all the way up to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. It was something that was very real that we've witnessed through the power of Christ. That we look back on 2,000 years ago, 2023-ish years ago, and we look back on it. So why does this matter today? Why does it matter that God gave a sign that a virgin would give birth to a child, a son, and his name would be Emmanuel? 
Well, if you need a sign from God, if you want to believe that he is real, that he covers all time, that he has all the power, that he can do anything between heaven and hell because of his mighty power. You go back to 700 years before Christ was conceived in the womb. You would see that the Lord made this happen. You would see that it happened just as he said it would happen. You would realize that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he is God with us, that he didn't just come to hang out. He didn't just show us the way. He became the way through his sacrificial death on the cross. He proved it as he was resurrected on the third day uh, to then a month later ascend to the Father to, to, to be our way, to be our truth, to be our life. It would be that reminder that Jesus is still changing lives in this room, in this place, on this day. That when we celebrate Christmas, it's about the Christ who came for us. That it's a reminder that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. Do you, do you see what's missing from this event in history? What's missing from this event in history is the, is the trees. What's missing from this event in history is the lights, even though we use all these as symbolic things today, and it's fine. What's missing from this is the gathering of the families, even though it's a great thing, but without Christ in the middle of it, it's just a gathering. What's missing is the travel, even though the, the wise men would travel and show up quite late to the birth of Christ. What's missing is the food because that wasn't the emphasis there around the manger. What's missing is the expenditure because the greatest expenditure that ever happened happened on that cross for you and me. And that's what people have to see. But what do we have? We have the sign from God. We have the picture, we have the reality of what he did for us. We have the miracle that has the potential to change every human being who would put their faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. We have the miracle that will change your life if you will let him. So am I saying that we can't or shouldn't or it's wrong for us to do the trees and the lights and the family and the travel, maybe even Santa and the elf, by saying that's wrong? No, there's nothing wrong in, 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 in and of them things, those things themselves. But I do think that we need to remember that Santa and his elves are not the sign. Neither is the trees, neither are the lights, neither are the gifts. But don't miss the sign that God told us about now over 2,700 years ago. Help your friends, help your family know that the virgin conception and the birth of Jesus was that sign. It was the first one, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just a nice story. It happened and it changed the world forever.
So what do we do with this? What needs to happen with me and you? You've got to receive the gift that came as a result of that sign that became a reality, that became Christ that came and was put in a manger, in a simple stable, because there was no place for him to stay in the city. You have to receive what would happen 33 years later as he had called his disciples, made his disciples, told them what to do. And then told him that he was going to have to lay down his life for their sake. For by his blood, they could be saved. You have to receive that gift. Knowing that just like Ahaz, you may may think that you can make all this right for yourself. But you can't. You may think that you can even live such a perfect life that you can earn your way to heaven. But the thing that we have to understand is we can't. Only Christ can do that for us. It was the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. What do you do? Jesus said, repent. It means turn away from what you're doing and what you know is wrong, what you know breaks the very heart of God, and turn to a holy God who gave his everything for you. Remember, he gave up heaven He wasn't born that day and it all started. He had been there from the beginning of time. But yet, God chose, God chose to send his very own son to put feet on this earth. To take nails in his hands. To take all of your sin. To cleanse it all. To make you right so that you can go and spend eternity with him in heaven. By grace, through faith in the son of God. If you've never trusted Christ, see that sign experience what was a result of it take christ into your life for the rest of us in this room if we've gotten to this point and christmas is a huge deal but christ is not much of it or christ is none of it repent of that today with him ask him to forgive you and change it this year this moment put christ back in christmas I want you to stand where you are, please, if you can. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, only you can change lives in this room. Your Holy Spirit, working in our lives, still a sign very much alive today that you are at work in us. Help us to trust you. Help us to repent. Help us to ask your forgiveness for those things that we know break your heart. If we need to do business with you, whether it's kneeling where we are, kneeling at this altar, talking to Drew up here, talking to me, catching a friend, coming and praying, whatever that may be, whatever it may look like, God, just help us to be obedient to you. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.